Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today. We're going to talk about a very, very important subject today. We've been looking at strongholds of the evil one that take root in our lives, and we've talked about how certain demonic strongholds can take root in a nation. They're simply when enough people, they've taken root in enough people, then they've taken root in a nation, or shall we say in a church or in a family. Strongholds are places where our spiritual enemy gains like a a, a fortress, a castle from which to launch his attacks upon us. And we've got to realize these are real, and God calls us to war against them. Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the, the, the scripture paints a picture that this world is under the power of the evil one, but God is building a kingdom here, and part of the way he's building that kingdom, he destroys what Satan has done. He rescues people and brings them into his kingdom, into his church to be his people. And when we do that, we are destroying these demonic, satanic, evil fortresses and, and strongholds. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, and, and if you're concerned about these strongholds, if you're concerned about sin in our culture and the destruction, the divisiveness, the hatred, the, the breakdown of what looks like the breakdown of civilization in our lifetime, Paul words us, we don't just stand by as passive observers. We don't just stand by, wring our hands, complain, and talk about how bad things are. But no, he calls his church to be on the offensive. 2 Corinthians 10, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful. For the destruction of fortresses, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. I'd like to spend a couple days talking about these, some of these strongholds and specific ones to target our prayer, because our weapons are prayer and the Word of God, prayer and the truth of the Word of God. And how do we destroy speculations in our own lives, in our families, in our neighborhood, our church, our community, wherever they may be, we destroy them through specific targeted prayer, and we destroy them through the power of the Word of God. That not just that we keep it to ourselves, but that we speak it, we declare it, we share it with other people. We'd like to talk today about this one particular sin that I think is maybe, maybe the most powerful stronghold in Western culture and maybe worldwide. And I want to ask you, start by asking a question. Do you think all sin is the same? It's not a trick question. I hear people all the time telling me all sins are equal. I had one person once tell me uh, that, that arguing that the Bible clearly says all sins are created equal. And I said, I think you're mixing up the Bible and the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, whatever the, the document there, excuse me. 
all sins are wrong. All sins separate us from God. There are not some sins that send us to hell and other sins that only send us to purgatory. That, th- those things are true. But all sins are not equal. Some sins have a far more devastating effect upon us. And they, they give Satan footholds in our lives, strongholds from which he operates and works his destruction in all areas of our life. This is what we call a life-dominating sin, a sin that has become so prevalent within us. Satan has a stronghold, and it dominates our life, and it begins to invade every area that we're thinking about, every area that we're acting upon. A stronghold can lead us to lie about other things, lead us to ruin relationships, lead us to all kinds of, of, of sin. It's like a leaven that invades. It's like a cancer that spreads. And so we've got to deal strongly with these strongholds. We've got to tear them down in our lives. We can't play around with them. Some sins are worse than others. Let me show you a specific scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with, I think, verse 17. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, scripture says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. So he's talking about a union that where there's you join yourself to a prostitute, you join yourself to a harlot, you join yourself to what uh, Proverbs calls the strange woman. In other words, someone other than your who you're married to, your spouse. And when you do that, you're becoming one body with that person. But when you come to Jesus, you're one spirit with him. And so we, we there's this union we have with Christ. Paul was writing to the Corinthians. Corinth was a really wicked and immoral city. There's a lot of, of I mean, just their tolerance and their acceptance and their celebration of sexual immorality was, was terrible, disgusting, and some of the worst in the ancient world. And so Paul is writing, and he's, he's warning them about this sin of sexual immorality. But he says, you've come to the Lord now. You're no longer wanting to join your body. Your body's holy. He's going to go on to say your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in the context of that, where we always say you know, our body belongs to the Lord, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, he's talking about treating your body with dignity and with holiness as it belongs to the Lord, that you are, your body is the temple of God, the temple of the, not just the Spirit, but of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore he goes on and he says, flee immorality. Now this verse is really interesting. It's, it, it, the, this word was used like of, a, of a, a criminal fleeing the law. You run. You're, 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 in, you, you're trying to escape. You know, a criminal who's got the, the police chasing him, he's not going to be lackadaisical. There's an urgency to get away from, because he otherwise he's going to be caught and taken to jail. And likewise, if you are tempted with immorality, there must be an urgency. An urgency. This is not something to take lightly. This is not something you can play around with. Because if you get captured by it, you're going to be in the miry pit of sexual immorality. You're going to be taken. You're going to be chained by it. And so he urges us, flee immorality. 
Run from it. Don't sit there and say, I'm tough. I can handle it. I'm, I'm holy. I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a solid Christian. I can handle this. No, flee it. Flee the temptation. Flee immorality. Now look what he says. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. There's something unique about sexual sin, Paul is saying, that's different than other sins. Somehow it captures, it, it does something to us physically. It does something to our body. Not only does it damage our spiritual walk with God, but it captures us. And by the way, understand sexual immorality is a, there's a spiritual element. This is why in so many cults, so many pagan religions, both anciently in the Bible and still today, so many of them have temple prostitutes. Why is that? It's because there's something spiritual about that's going on there that captures that when you're involved in this type of sin, it capture, it does something to you spiritually and it captures something in your body. It establishes a stronghold. It gives the devil a place from which to operate. In Romans, Paul is talking also about this, and he's describing something that happens in a culture, I think. Something happens in individuals, but it's so prevalent. He's using it, talking about whole cultures. And believe me, Romans 1 is an apt description of what has happened, happened and is happening in our country, a decay, a fall from, uh, a fall from being something good into something evil evil that is a foot in our land, that has taken root, that has become a stronghold, not only in individuals, but in our land. It's, it invades now our, our entertainment. It invades our business, business dealings. It invades our cor- corporations. It's certainly invaded our schools. It's even invading our churches. It's certainly invaded our families. The whole area of sexual immorality the whole area of, of sexual sin, and be it any number of ways. Let's look at what Paul says here in the fall of a culture, fall of a society in Romans chapter 1. They had stopped honoring God, he says in Romans chapter 1. Their first step, they stopped honoring God. But when you don't honor God, you'll turn to something else. And so they turn to an idolatry. And in their idolatry, he says in verse 24, therefore... Because they had rejected God, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. This impurity that they're involved in, sexual impurity, was what he's referring to, obviously, in the context, is a stronghold. He had given them over, and now Satan, the adversary, had a, position, had a, a place from which to operate in their lives. This was a stronghold. They, beca- they became professing to be wise. They become fools. They began to have a totally mixed up value system. And then they still didn't repent. They still didn't repent. And so verse 26 and 7, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. Before they were just, they were... Uh, uh, impure impurity, lust and impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored, but now they would be degrading. And God gave them over. It doesn't mean God gave up on us. 
or God gave up on them, but he allows people to have what they want. And when they were given over to this, they became captured by it. Degrading passions. What were these? For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their heir. This is speaking of homosexuality. The men and women are made for one another. Dare I say a man and a woman are made for one another. This is the foundation of a healthy society, foundation of a healthy growing and development as a person. We're made to be fruitful and multiply, and you don't just go spreading around with any old person. But rather, God's plan is that, uh, uh, generally speaking, normally speaking, a man and a woman would marry, they would have children, they'd have offspring. And it is surprising to students on campus when I say to them that the purpose, the first and primary purpose of sex is to have children. You would believe how the average student out there is shocked at the idea. They, they think, what are you talking about? No, we have birth control now. No, we have abortion now. No, we have, and because of that, we can have, it's now the only purpose is just to feel good, pleasure. And so whether that's with uh, adultery or hookup culture or or homosexuality or transgenderism or being fluid and non-binary and and whatever other type of perversion is out there and my friends we think of these things only as a like a political thing and we think the answers politicians need to put a stop to these things or we need to you know corporations need to stop forcing this on their people and in the, in the names of diversity and equity and inclusion yes we are against those policies, but let's understand there are demonic spirits on the move here. The, there are strongholds. People are captured, and our country is increasingly being captured by these things. Big corporations, the, the educational system, there, it's it's not just an individual here or there that's 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 weird or trying to promote something. This has become what is accepted and the the uh, the, the way to think and the way to operate. And what is this? This is a spiritual stronghold. I didn't mention pornography. Let me throw that into the into the into the mix. These various types of sexual sins that I just mentioned earlier, are, have taken root in our culture, and they are destroying people. They're destroying individuals. They're destroying families. They're destroying relationships. They're destroying the ability of a young man to know how to even approach and develop a healthy relationship with a potential uh, with a young woman who might potentially become his wife. They are affecting churches, church youth groups. They're affecting churches. They're affecting church leaders. They're affecting politicians, businessmen, educators. They're affecting the whole country. This sexual immorality, it springs from the sexual revolution. 
And remember when the sexual revolution came in in the late 50s and 60s? What was its mantra with it? Not only to have a, a whole different standard of, sex, of sexual free, um, activity. The Beatles were singing, all you need is love. But we were finding all, all we found was lust and corruption because what there's a way which seems right to a man, but in the end it's the way of death. There's a way that seems okay and fine, and if it feels good, do it. And how could something that feels so good be so wrong? But we see what happens. Death, destruction, abortion, STDs, divided families, broken families, broken hearts. And it's, it's become, this is the true pandemic. This is, the, the, this is destroying far more lives than COVID ever did. This is taking more lives than COVID, sexually transmitted diseases. We had the AIDS epidemic. We had all these things. These are destroying people's lives. I often tell students on campus, they, uh, they talk, want to talk about safe sex. They say, oh, I have safe sex. The way I do it is I always make sure I wear something. And, no, and they say, well, what's that? And they obviously know where their mind's going. And I show them my wedding ring. That is the way to have safe sex. You, have, you are married to your spouse. The scripture says, let marriage be held in honor by all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Hebrews 13, I believe, verse 5, verse 4 or 5. All of these sins, sins are strongholds. How do you break free? Well, Jesus sets us free. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And I'd like to say a prayer here. True freedom comes from confession, repentance, resisting the devil, crying out to God, but Jesus must set you free. If you have become ensnared by this, and now it seems like sexual morality or pornography or homosexuality, whatever may be the sin, you can't escape it. It's just too powerful. It's, con it, it's controlling your mind, controlling your life, and it's, it's dominating Everything, how you dress, where you go, how you live, how you spend your money, it's become a life-dominating stronghold. The only escape is Jesus Christ, and we call out to him now. Amen? Let's do it. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who sets us free, and if you set us free, we'll be free indeed. We confess, Lord, being sorry is not enough. Hating our sin is not enough. Being disgusted with ourselves is not enough. Even having a terrible experience is not enough. What it takes is you, Jesus. It's only by the power you give us that we can escape these demonic strongholds and regain being the person that you created us to be. And so now, Lord, I pray for anyone here who's caught in the pit and the snare of adultery or fornication or pornography or homosexuality or the gender of fluidity and confusion about who they are. Lord, these are demonic forces. These are demonic strongholds. These are things that come in and they, they're, they're destroying our identity. They're destroying our minds. They're destroying our souls. These fleshly lusts, they wage war against our souls. We cry out to you, Jesus, for freedom, for forgiveness, for power, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the blood of Christ that was shed when you conquered 
Satan, when you died on that cross and rose from the dead, in your name, we ask, Lord, we reclaim, we belong to you. Our life is yours. Our heart is yours. Every bit of our soul belongs to you. And the ground that we have yielded, the stronghold that we allowed Satan to develop in us, we reclaim it in the name of Jesus Christ. Drive drive it out, Lord. Drive every demon or temptation we have. Drive them out. Give us your, we repent. And we believe you and we trust you for this victory. And we pray it in the mighty, powerful, victorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will resist the devil. We will flee from him flee immorality, and we will trust in you, Jesus. We're helpless without without you. Without you, Lord, we're helpless against him. But with you, we are mighty and more than conquerors. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. My goodness, friends, there's so much we could say about this. I could talk for hours on this topic. Some of you, we've had a lot of new people join our channel in the last week. And if you're new and you're stuck with me to this time, you might not know who I am. I speak on college campuses and have for the last 40-some years. I enc- the things I speak about from the Bible, they're going to be simple, but they're going to they're be raw, and they're going to be right where a lot of our youth culture is at. If you want to understand what... I've been on that front lines, talking to atheists, talking to skeptics, talking to people who are are ensnared in these sins, defending them, and some of who see tremendous victories. And if you want to learn more about these, join us every day. If you want to learn more about how to, Christianity on the real front lines, Christianity uh, out in, in the raw, shall we say, battling for God's truth, I hope you'll join us. Subscribe to the channel. Come here every day. Join me, because we're here every single morning, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time in America. And, uh, or you can watch anytime later in the day, or you can listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. I've gone a little long today. I usually try and keep this under 20 minutes, even try and keep it at 15. But this is a very, very, very important subject. And, and I'll tell you, you may be ensnared by this. Your children may be ensnared. Your grand- There's no age limits on this. Your pastor might, there might be a stronghold in his life. Your children, don't think they're too young. You know, the average child, I believe it's about age seven, there's their first exposure to pornography now in our culture. Age seven. They're, they're losing their innocence so young. And we, we hate to go talk to a seven-year-old and ask if you've been exposed to this stuff. But unfortunately, it's the world. There is a miry pit of sexual immorality that is, that is capturing our country. And we must stand against it. My God bless you. Might he fill you with strength. Might you be mighty, prevailing, overpowering men and women of God. We need to have be people who are destroying these speculations with the truth of God's word and with the power of our prayers in the name, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I love you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.